you always want to be a teacher that kids never forget and they they want to come back to and will always love for the rest of their lives and i think personalized learning allowed me to do that it's time for making it personal a personalized sc podcast let's jump into today's episode All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Making It Personal podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Fersner, and today I am joined by some very special guests. I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves, but today we have Brittany and Jim. So, Brittany, we'll start with you. Introduce yourself to our audience, um, tell them a little bit about what you do, and then we'll go to you, Jim. So, I'm Brittany McGargle, and I work for Lexington County School District 1. And I do curriculum and instruction coaching for our elementary students and teachers in special education. And I'm Jim Cook, and I'm Brittany's partner in that uh, arena, and I work the same position, but with secondary. Awesome, awesome. So my first question for you all is how did you both get started on your journey towards personalizing learning for students? How did that journey start for you? Well, I started teaching um, middle school self-contained special education, and I quickly realized that something was missing in my daily instructional routines. So these students in my class were working significantly below grade level, and I was following the standards and curriculum that I was expected to use, but as a new teacher, I didn't really understand like the why behind everything I was doing or how I was closing the gap. So I began signing up for all these courses and talking to other teachers like interventionists and literacy coaches and finally made my way to competency-based learning. And this really opened my eyes to the variety of ways that I could meet students where they are while providing meaningful access to grade level standards. So with these changes, my students were more engaged than ever before and their learning actually accelerated. Um, For me, um, I had a shift maybe about eight or nine years ago to start working in a middle school. And I happened to work with Kristen, one of your uh, partners at the Office of Personalized Learning uh, before she got there. And she was our instructional coach. And we had begun a work in the school that was just very eye-opening in, in changing a lot of the thought processes I had toward what I was doing and what my kids were doing. And we were working in progressions and student-centered learning experiences. And I started, you know, just giving up on what I had been doing, trying to lead from the front to just working alongside my students and collaborating with them and helping develop and them develop and achieve, you know, the goals they had. And, you know, I didn't know really what it was at the time, you know, that I might be diving into some foundational work and personalized learning. But kind of later on when I moved into this position and I started looking at you know, in discovering more personalized learning, everything just started to click again. It's like, yes, 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 yes. 
Awesome. Awesome. I'm very intrigued at you guys' story on how you got started, just even at the classroom level. And I kind of want to, before we move forward, I kind of want to circle back and like dig a little deeper into that. So um, Jim, you talked about like having that switch to where instead of being that stage on the stage, you wanted to walk alongside students. Can you think of any, this question is for both of you. Can you think of any like one thing that you did in your classroom that led you to that realization that personalized learning, this is what's best for students. It doesn't have to be anything huge. It could just be like one subtle shift that you made in your classroom. I think for me, um, I just got tired of doing things the way I used to do them, trying to, and I tried to control, you know, kind of behavior and stuff going on in my classroom with my voice and my presence and you know, but I was also explaining problems and taking forever. You know, I'm showing kids how to do problems on the board and they're nodding their heads. And you know, it's just, it's not really moving anywhere. And plus, I think our school had a great culture just to get to know kids and who they are. And that helped open up a lot of, of my thinking. And then just taking a dive, let's, you know, go in today and I'm going to try something different and building on it and just, and creating it into something that I saw their their eyes awaken and I was enjoying what I was doing a whole lot more. So I feel like for me, it was when I started having my students be a part of their IEP process. So when I was trying to get them to do student-led IEPs, we had to actually sit down and talk about like, why are these your goals? How are we going to meet them? Where are you going towards meeting them. And it kind of made me realize that in order to make the students understand it, we had to really connect what we were doing and make it meaningful for them. Yeah, that's very interesting to hear you say that, because I know um, for me as a as a former classroom teacher, I've been in several IEP meetings where the student, the main center of attention says nothing. And they they may not even understand why they're there. And so I think that's so powerful um, hearing you say um, that the students could have a place, you know, in those meetings and and actually understand what their strengths are and what their goals um, are as well. So in your previous roles and in your current roles, the work that you've done has definitely yielded itself to equity and inclusion on a daily basis. So my question is, how do you view personalized learning as a way of meeting the needs of all students? Through the use of personalized learning, we are investing in the development of every student in a way that equips them to make decisions, empowers them, and allows them to thrive in their school setting. So we need to provide innovative, inclusive, and equitable learning environments that are student-centered And we can and should create conditions in our schools that address the academic and non-academic needs of our children. And we could do this through targeting instruction to the specific needs and learning goals for students. Targeting these individual student needs is the whole point of an IEP, which is why personalized learning makes sense to use when we're trying to meet the needs of all our students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think Mm -hmm. that I always preach that Every kid wants to be valued and feel like they're known. Mm-hmm. And personalized learning allows you to do that so much better. Kids appreciate the personalized time that uh, uh, the teachers give them and can spend with them to access and even engage in learning opportunities. And um, because they want to be known and understood and 
they want that teacher to, they want to feel like they're valued by that teacher and that teacher values the learning that's inside that needs to still come out of that kid. Um, you know, push yourself as a teacher into difficult struggles that you got with kids, you know, the reluctant learners, the, the behavior issues. Um, and, you know, kids, those kind of kids are really the ones that want to know how deeply you care about them. And they might just be wanting to see how far you're going to go and how deep you're willing to go explore really who they are and how they learn, what their desires are, their goals or hopes or dreams. And I think I've made mistakes in the past as a teacher just to assume that I'm on good terms with everybody because I want to smile and laugh and, and you, know, you know, be that kind of joyful presence and create that in my room. But you have to spend time with each kid and they know when they're valued and they're not. And just to keep exploring and digging those relationships every day with your kids. Thank you guys so much for sharing that. Now, a common misconception that we hear a lot in our office when we're just introducing personalized learning to folks is that they think that this is only for certain populations. What would be your response to that? My response is that every student deserves access to high quality instruction. Um, recently in 2017, um, the Andrew decision the Supreme Court actually ruled that IEPs are supposed to be appropriately ambitious and give every child a chance to meet challenging objectives. So we actually have a legal obligation to ensure that our students are making adequate progress. And since special education is all about individualizing student needs, like I mentioned before, personalized learning ties right into this. By knowing who our learners are and how they learn and what they need to know and what their entry points are, we can develop learning pathways and environments that allow all of our students to engage in meaningful learning opportunities. Yeah, I like I was saying before, I think you have to be personal with each kid. Um, you know when you're being ignored or, or neglected as a student in a classroom. Uh, you know when you can hide. You know when you know you don't have to feel like you got to push yourself. Um, so personalized learning to me isn't really, think about it as a structure of practice, but you can personalize activities for kids, but really to me, personalized learning is personalizing relationships with them on top of all of that. Um, it's really a reflection of how much you love your kids. It equips students to be able to do more than what we just expect of them. Um, a lot of times we're just guilty of having a low bar and well, they're only able to do this. And when I've got teachers to work with kids in personalized learning, my jaw has hit the floor with certain kids and what they're able to do in leadership and different activities. And, and kids get a joy out of that. So I, I love watching them lead and go and do something beyond just what I expect. Yeah, I love that. I love that it really just takes the lid off of the possibilities instead of what you said um, before, which is sometimes we have those limitations, whether they're biases that we have or data that we've seen in the past. But when we provide those opportunities for all students, then we can really see them take off and, and excel greatly. So my next question for you all is, um, we know that you guys have engaged in our Framework Foundation series, which is super awesome, and that you've had some of your educators that you work with engaging in those as well. So what are some specific practices or strategies 
that you're currently using or that you're seeing being used to support inclusivity and equity for students? Jim, I'll let you start off on this one. Well, last summer, we had worked with a lot of teachers to prepare for a summer camp for our kids and make as many personalized learning experiences as we could for them, but get our kid teachers used to having those experiences and explore and play and uh, see the joy out of that too. And I think, you know, just kind of like what I hit on giving them, you know, empowerment to those kids to make decisions and choices is hugely uh, important to them. Um, For example, you know, I saw kids It's like, I thought he would probably not be able to do this based on what I saw in him and knew of his scores and kind of the class and placement he was in. And all of a sudden, you know, he's giving leadership to everybody else and, and, and saying, you know, let's pause here. Let's reflect and think about this for a moment. And I'm like going, who is this kid? <laughs> and, you know, you never see that if you, if you don't allow the opportunity for kids to create and make space for their learning. Um, you know, we work with kids who were disengaged online and were more reserved in the classroom. And, and they're, they're not only developing into academic leaders in small ways and in, in learning to trust themselves, but they're also some social emotional leaders. And I think that's key. Um, you know, we had kids make their own reading and math goals and working independently and collaboratively to work on that. Um, and so they were bu- buying into that. But we also did a lot of daily celebrations. And I think that um, making sure that your kids are involved in how they want to celebrate what they're learning and what they've learned and experienced and not only do that you know, privately with them, but publicly as a class. So on the elementary level, I really feel like project-based learning has been an excellent way that many of our special educators have been able to tie in the personalized learning practices. So for example, some of our teachers, they'll choose a grade level topic and they'll design learning experiences across the content areas that relate to that topic. So students are able to access the content at their instructional level, work at their own pace, They can have individualized or small group instruction and differentiated ways to demonstrate their mastery. And, you know, these are some of our more our students with more significant um, learning deficits. And so it's really exciting to be able to to see them access that. Um, I also see more opportunities for our students with IEPs to receive push-in services within the general education environment. So, and this is happening um, elementary and secondary more and more, I feel. So this is giving our students access in their least restrictive environment as our general education and special education teachers come together to prioritize standards. They're co-teaching, they're front-loading, scaffolding instruction, and more and more so that our students can make progress and have their individual needs met, but in a more inclusive environment. Awesome, awesome. And my next follow-up question for you, and at the district level, um, your engagement with students may not be as frequent as it would have been if you were a classroom teacher, but Have you heard of any specific student success stories as a result of your teachers engaging in personalized learning practices or how this has been impacting student learning during this time? 
I think, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, we're still in the age where kids are in so many arenas, you know, with virtual learning or, you know, maybe they're not attending school as much. That's happening a lot secondary and that disengagement is huge. And I think that personal time with them and, and everything is making a big difference. Um, you know, investing in them and talking with them about everything that they uh, want to do or are learning data, everything else kind of makes them want to come back and they want to come back and work with our teachers more. than I think that maybe some others that in subjects um, because they feel valued. I keep going back to the same kind of messages and stuff, but that's, that's where I see that. Um, you know, uh, I, I hear you know, there's more joy in those teachers that are working with these kids because they're seeing their kids come alive. And I think that's, that's what's affecting a lot of teachers too, is, you know, they're getting, you know, they don't know how to really address it because, um, you know, if the kids aren't coming or they're not attending or are not engaged, they just, you know, they feel like they're having to do more. And, um, I, I know that um, once they start kind of maybe thinking about personalized learning strategies and just doing small things, um, that it can open up into bigger. I don't think teachers feel like uh, I'm kind of rambling on the on the topic a little bit, but I don't think you you have to just jump in and do everything in personalized learning. There's just little nuggets here and there that um, teachers can feel confident in that can kind of stretch their kids in. And the same thing with those kids. It's a little bit at a time approach and you get daily results from it. And then over time, it's like, wow, look what this kid's been able to do. Um, I feel like a lot of our teachers are already working hard to make sure that their students are part of an inclusive and equitable learning environment. And they're working tirelessly to advocate for their students. Now, what I like to talk to them about is how to increase their student ownership. Because um, as special education teachers, we're often working with students who have many needs, um, functionally and academically. And learned helplessness is a real problem for a lot of our students. So instead of focusing on what they don't know or what they can't do, I want to discover their strengths with them. So let's get them excited about their learning, excited about their progress, let them help set their goals. And if our students know what they're learning and why, they're going to be more engaged, more motivated, and more successful overall. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Jim, I'll kick this to you. Oftentimes, when we talk to teachers about personalizing student learning, some of them are already engaging in practices that align with PL. They just don't know it yet. So what do you think are some, um, and you spoke to this a little earlier, but what are some of those like simple shifts that like okay, as a teacher, I may already be doing this, but how could I shift it simply in order to make it more personalized for students? Or in, in the case that you just talked about, how do I shift my practice in a way that allows students the freedom to have that ownership and feel valued and want to keep coming back to the learning experience instead of disengaging? Yeah, Um I talk with a lot of special ed teachers. It's like, you're really close to understanding this whole package and this, you know, this little matrix pill, just take this pill and, and you'll be able to see the whole, the gambit of it. But yeah, um, they, there's a lot of small shifts, like great special education teachers know how to conference with their kids. 
and they know how to sit with them and, and kind of talk about that. But where they can make it kind of personalized, like Brittany was kind of alluding to, is make those conferences about what the student wants and thinks um, about, you know, data and how they performed effort, you know, their goals, and then, you know, evaluate that with them and help them kind of, you know, grow in what their evaluation is of those things. Um, great special education teachers, I think, also look at and understand a student's weaknesses because when we draft our IEPs, we're focusing on the weaknesses and trying to uh, work with them and developing accommodation and services that can support that. But an easy tweak, and I think it's not necessarily understood as deeply as I, I would like, is to look at a kid's strengths as a learner and develop those more. It's one of the first things we look at in an IEP, but it seems like it's a section that has the fewest words. And I think the better we can share that with our kids and kind of prep that and let teachers see that those strengths over time, and if they're you know, consistent and grow, I think those are really good. And if we can look at strengths and think about asset-based thinking, what can these kids do well? Um, and of course, I think, you know, we, there's an issue too with that though, where we, we look at, you know, living in our strengths and learning in our strengths only. And we, you know, we can kind of grow in that, but if we only you know, you sit in the arenas where we're comfortable, you know, learning is more of a struggle and where it's difficult and kind of take those skills and learn to hunt. We got to kind of blend some activities to make things look, make things a little bit more uh, difficult where our kids can struggle, but support and pull back and kind of, you know, teach perseverance and, and knowing our students and how they handle that, you know, a little differently. And I think, you know, special ed teachers know how to keep data, and, you know, we try to do that over time. We report progress reports and everything. But I think an easy shift is just how well do we share that data with kids? How well do we ask them about the data and write that down and get their input? And, you know, is there anything that you're not seeing, you know, you know in, in what you're doing that, you know, is not working? And what next steps could you take to move forward toward this goal? Um, and, you know, just making sure that you're kind of involving the kids in, in the strengths, in the data, and, um, you know, just in your collaboration and conferencing with the kids. A piece of what you were saying kind of reminds me of the term productive struggle. Yeah. Which, to your point, like if we only live in our strengths, then how can we truly grow to the next level? So I like that you kind of um, loop that all together. So my... Almost last question, because we, we have another little section um, coming up, but um, knowing that time is definitely a factor, especially like now time is it just seems like there's never enough of it. Um, but with that in mind, if you had to persuade a fellow educator to either do some more looking into what personalized learning is and what those practices are, what those shifts could be. Or if you were to persuade an educator who has begun their journey, but maybe because of everything that's going on, they've kind of put those practices to the side, what, what would your pitch be? What would you say to them? Well, I would share a personal story. So imagine yourself with a group of 13 students, all with IEPs, all working three or more grade levels below. More than half of them have behavior intervention plans. 
there's a huge span of instructional, functional, and social needs. So this may sound overwhelming, but now imagine that same group of students engaged in their learning. They are excited about reading and writing. They beg to work on their individual projects. They research and explore independently. They are accessing grade level content, but all working at their own pace and with their own goals in mind. Once I embraced personalized learning and tied it all together with research-based strategies, this is actually what my self-contained special education class became. Wow, that is so powerful. So, so powerful. I love it. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I, I, I think I found a lot of great fun, again, in education, and it came through personalized learning. I found joy in watching my kids learn and learning about them. Um, I started to relax more as a teacher because I felt like I was teaching more effectively than I ever have. Um, I could see my kids in IEP meetings talking about data, like what? (laughs) And knowing what their strengths were and what they wanted. And because I think a lot of times kids go into an IEP meeting and everybody's talking about data and difficult things and they don't know how to engage in the conversation. And with the time I spent with kids, I was able to, you know, let them feel comfortable in talking about academics. Um, you know, I regained my first love of teaching after so many years. And, you know, I was able to build a learning environment that I've really always wanted. And I think personalized learning gives you an opportunity. And this, this makes sense to me, or it hits, hits really my heart at it. You always want to be a teacher that kids never forget and they they want to come back to and will always love for the rest of their lives and i think personalized learning allowed me to do that and rather than just being the jokester up at the front of the room and teaching this and teaching that and and just me 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 what am i doing Um, but getting a personalized relationship with these kids digging in and pushing in and encouraging being an academic kind of gym coach to them about what they're, they're, they're doing and seeing them grow. And, um, it's just a joyful thing. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Wow. You guys have such powerful stories and I know our listeners are loving every minute of it. So we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Hi, this is Heather Brass, one of the coaches from the Office of Personalized Learning. As all of our previous face-to-face cohorts have now shifted to self-paced Canvas courses, offering our teams and individuals more flexibility and personalized professional learning experiences, we invite you to enroll in the course that fits your readiness. The OPL has also reorganized the way we connect as coaches. Within this new model, each region in South Carolina has an Office of Personalized Learning coach living in or near who is able to support you from the exploration of personalized competency-based learning to strategic planning and implementation of a personalized competency-based learning system. For example, you or a team may complete a module in launch and you'd like to schedule a planning session or a check-in click on your regional map and schedule a time with your coach. Or maybe you and a team are goal setting for the fall 
And as a school or a district, you're working to implement the profile of the South Carolina graduate competencies. Just click on the map and schedule a time with your regional coach for support. Wherever you or your team are, whether you're exploring as a member of the Personalized SC community, you're enrolling in the Framework Foundation series to explore even further. Or maybe you've enrolled in Launch and you're implementing more learner-centered practices. Or you're registering for our new Community of Practice sessions, building on the competencies. Wherever you are, your regional coach is here to support you and help build capacity every step of the way. We look forward to seeing you soon. All right, everyone, we are back with Brittany and Jim, back just in time for our special segment that I like to call Making It or Breaking It. So, what I'm going to ask you to do is share a make, which could be something cool that you've seen happen or that you've personally made happen in the realm of personalized learning. Or you can share a break, which could be a barrier, a concern, or something that we in education should let go of in order to give personalized learning a chance for students. So which will it be, make or break? Brittany, we will start with you. I'm going to go with a make. Because when I think of personalized learning that's making a difference in our district, I think about one of our teachers, Coach Vestal at Saxagatha. So she's been teaching SEL at her school. And one thing she shared with me that she has learned is that our students need an action piece when teaching social emotional learning. This became apparent when she taught the difference between equity and equality through a garden at her school. So one garden was the equality garden. All plants received the same care regardless of their needs. In the equity garden, each plant received what they needed. The kids really loved digging deep into this concept through the garden. I really feel like Coach Vestal is taking teaching to the next level by showing each student how to create and access equity for themselves. Wow, that that is an awesome analogy and activity to do with students. I love that example. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay, Jim, which will it be, make or break? I feel like I made something to break something. Okay, well, let's do it. I didn't really think about it much until today, but I recognize that, um, and Brittany and I have kind of had some, you know, personalized learning um, sessions with teachers and cohorts with, you know, for a couple of months, and I'm running through another one with some teachers right now, but not everybody has time to do those. And you just because you hear of something once doesn't mean you remember it. And they need, you know, teachers need to see a lot of different layers of things. And, and so I started something, I, I guess, earlier last year about uh, what I call two minute Tuesdays. And I just take an article or make a little two minute video. Sometimes it's four, um, <laughs> but basically just hit on nuggets of learning and behavior and, and trying to advertise personalized learning and different things beyond that. And I think those little two minute nuggets are breaking down is 
some of the ways we used to learn and and look at things. We felt like we had to get you know, sit in a big room and or maybe, you know, an hour long PD and you wouldn't really have a chance to think and process that at the end of the day. So I'm hoping and what I hear from a lot of teachers is you get a nugget for two minutes and you think about it and then you're teaching and it's like, well, maybe I could try that. And small things lead to bigger things. And so, you know, right now I feel, you know, it's one of the things I hate to say I'm proud of, but I like it because I got a catalog of like 30 or 40 different things that, you know, uh, my teachers can go back and look at and over time and just, you know, kind of grow in that. So just little two minute learning nuggets of videos or other people's videos or snippets of this and reflection on that. Um, Here's personalized learning this way. Here's how you can think about your classroom practices. Here's how you can support behavior with your kids. And um, yeah, so just kind of making it more accessible to my teachers and what they can do with that. I love that idea as well, Jim. Uh, what platform do you use? I'm curious about the two minute Tuesdays. Are you are you TikToking yet or no, no not no, yet? No. <laughs> I, I no, I don't do it that way. I just. Um, I, I email a slide to my teachers and say, here's two minute Tuesday, here's what you're doing, you know, and it, it gets some reflection questions on that. And, you know, then I link everything back to a document where everything is and the whole catalog is there. So. Well, thank you guys so much for taking this time to share all of your wealth of knowledge with us. My last question is if there are any listeners who would like to get in touch with you or want to hear more about your personalized learning journey, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, my email, I guess, is good. Uh, my name is Jim Cook, and it's C-O-O-K-E. And my email is J-C-O-O-K-E at LexingtonTheDigit1.net. And mine is bmagargle at Lexington1.net, and Magargle is M-A-G-A-R-G-L-E. Um, you could also reach me at my office phone, too. So it's 803-821-1190. I'll give my phone number out too is 803-821-5641. Awesome. Well, thanks again, everyone. We'll be right back to close things out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Office of Personalized Learning by visiting our website, personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!